I'm buffering. <laughs> ah, thanks for joining us for another edition of Chronic Conversations. Look at that food, man. I know. We got some food going on in the background. I apologize. We'll probably be uh, somewhat distracted as, as food does. Welcome to another edition of Chronic Conversations. I'm Jerry Leonard, a.k.a. Jerry Anderson. As always, your host and always joining me, my beautiful co-host, Jen. Say hello, What's Jen. What's up? She's over there. Believe it or not, you can't see her, but she is over there. Stick your hand over there and wave. There was her hands. <laughs> Uh, before we get started with my guests, as always, I'm going to go over my sponsors. Um, thank you for Thompson's Personal Training. Uh, talk to him and reach him out, out <coughs> to him on Facebook for all your personal training needs, nutrition needs. Uh, he's got you. Whether you're an athlete or just trying to cut a few pounds, he's the man for you. Uh, check him out online. Uh, also, check out Not Bad Creations. Um, they have any kind of paracord things you need, like get backs, um, uh animal leads just about sex toys uh uh if you need to commit a crime and wrap somebody up in paracord you need to survive if you need it and you're creative enough and you can think of it they can make it so check out not bad creations Mm -hmm. also uh there's a link on my facebook and now i'm very excited to announce my guest for this evening um he will be joining me shortly and we also have an extra guest uh in the background waiting to join us as well um we have bradley kirkland stevens tonight and and also uh brad cash and the fun part is we don't know which one we'll be uh talking to at which time so we're just going to go ahead and go with this uh brad aka bradley how's it going brother what's up man man there's a I'm, I'm trying to get the name of that last sponsor you said with all the sex toys and hiding yeah, bodies. Not, and that bad, shit. Yeah, not bad creations, man. If you need something yeah, made with pair, paracord, they can they can hook you up. So maybe something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not that I would know, but I read in a novel once, of course. That's why oh, you never yeah, see yeah. Her. I mean, That's why you never see her over there. She's all tied up. Oh, she tied up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So one of the things I I want us to talk about. Uh, is road stories. Um, I know you and, and locker room too. We include locker room <laughs> have some of the best. So we're just going to cut through a few of those real quick before we, we kind of split it and go a little dark with it. Um, so yeah. for, for, for a little bit of humor, um, tell everybody what is Brad Cash's favorite locker room, AKA road story. Um, and, and, <laughs> And not including Chase Stevens. No, I'm just kidding. That'd take out too many of them. So you go ahead. Oh, shit. Uh, I mean, I can say like fucking shit, right? Of course. Yes, okay, you can. This is, this is a show. Say whatever the fuck okay. you want. Okay, good. Because, I mean, I already did, but I didn't talk about Brad Cash on the show. You think I could have Brad Cash on a PG show? It's not going to work out. Too well. Yeah, I'm PG as fuck, man. Like, yeah, it's PG cool. PG as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Possibly my favorite shirt ever, by the way. I pop so hard for that. Uh, man, you know, I'm going to tell your favorite story. I'm, I'm going to tell yours because I, I feel like that one doesn't get told enough. Uh, so, uh, you know, I used to be a teacher. Uh, <laughs> so, you know which story this is. I do. And, um, you do need to bring so I was a I was a middle school teacher. I was an assistant teacher, but like I had to like fill in for a teacher that was out. I think she like had a baby or some shit. I don't remember. Um, it wasn't yours, right? <laughs> no, not that <laughs> one. Okay, uh, just, make sure it's covering all the ground. Yeah, yeah no. Uh, but like, um, 
so I get called into the office one day and, uh, there was like, there was this one kid in there that was like always like hovering over my shoulder, hovering over my shoulder. And I used to get onto him for like taking pictures in my class. And, um, they, uh, so I get called into the office one day and they're like, we have something very serious to talk to you about. And I was like, I you at that point was you like, Oh God, what did they find out about? Or, Oh dude. Yeah. I was, I was so like, fuck, did I have like weed in my bag? A body in the uh, truck? Like what did, did I do this time? Find, did they find out about me and the teacher that's not pregnant? Like, fuck, okay. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, let's hear what it is. They're like, uh, we have to have a talk with one of the students. Um, we found out one of the students was masturbating to a picture of you. Oh, and first of all, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, do I get in trouble for that? Like, it's not a picture, like, it's not a picture I took. I didn't send yeah. any kids like, a picture of me. And then right. and then I was kind of like flattered. I was like, damn, I'm, I'm kind of hot. I'm like the hot for teacher type. And then I was like, I was like, oh, man, I was like, that's crazy. Like, so, like, you guys just went in the girls' bathroom and found out. They said, well, it was the boys. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> and then they were like, uh, I'm not, I won't say his name, but they were like, uh, he was a little Spanish kid in my class. And apparently every time he was taking pictures, they weren't selfies. He was taking pictures of me at my desk. Oh. And he was going in the bathroom and, like, jerking his little burrito. The way, and, uh, the way and, you put the apple in your mouth, Mr. Brad. <laughs> He used to call me Mr. Brad all the time. And that's all I could think of was just like, <laughs> that's how, like, I felt like that's how they found him was him in the stall going, Mr. Brad, Mr. Brad. And I was like, oh my God, I couldn't look at that kid after that. I was like, what do you do? Like, they didn't even suspend him or anything. So he was like right. in the class like the next week. I was like, hey, can you please not take any pictures today. No cell phones, anybody. I mean, I had to imagine out of all the things that um, you probably thought about as becoming a teacher that you would have to deal with or words that would come out of your mouth. I wouldn't imagine that's some of the ones that you did. Right. No, no, that was definitely not it. Like that was that was not what I expected. Well, I wish that they would have been like, all right, you're fired for like fucking this other teacher right. or you like, or you had weed in your bag, but not, you it's know. easier to deal with, right? Yeah, man, because, fuck it. That kid's desk was next to mine. It was like, oh, ah, yeah, because he was like one of the kids that got in trouble every day. I know your eyes are kind of bad as it is. You don't want them all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, th so there's that. So. Hello everyone. I'm Brad. Hello everyone. This is Brad. That's that's how we'll that's how we'll start off the show. Brad to you. Uh, we're going to go all over the place because uh, one of the things I put is that we're going to kind of talk about the yin and yang of life. Um, yeah. There's not been many men who has faced or battled as many demons and dragons as I have, and you're one of the few. Um, and out of those, not excuse me if I get a little emotional. Not all those guys are still around. Um, there's a wonderful video of kind of your career highlights and a couple questions. Um, it, it, it starts out towards the, what you probably thought at the time was the end of your wrestling career. Yeah. Um, the end of Brad cash, uh, that of course led to another event. What 
what was going through Brad Cash's head? What was going through Bradley Kirkley Stevens' head during that time? Um, well, uh, well, it's Brad Kirkland. It's Bradley Stephen Kirkland. Bradley Stephen Kirkland. Yeah. But it's it's the whole it's the whole Chase Stevens thing. He ruined it for everybody. Um, <laughs> so, uh, like, um, I I start well. You were you were around me like when my name kind of started bouncing around, and uh, a lot of it was you know thanks to Tank and a few other people. Um, book Brad Cash. Yeah, ha- there you go. Hashtag book Brad Cash. Uh, that was a thing then. And, um, and everybody saw like all that. They saw like the fucking skewers and the, excuse me, the death matches or then like, you know, like just, um, you know, Brad's in this city today, Brad's in this city today, Brad's wherever, you know, and, uh, and all that was going great, but like, uh, behind the scenes, it wasn't, um, uh, at a fault of my own and some other people, I, uh, I say some other people because it was kind of like pushed in my face kind of, mm-hmm. and it was people that um, I, I won't name cause I'm, I'm one, I'm still friends with some of them. Some of them I'm, I'm not. Um, but I was, uh, I started doing a lot of pills mm-hmm. uh, cause I, I couldn't sleep. I was hurt all the time. And uh, what people got to understand too, is a lot of people in our business, when you're an entertainer, comedian in a band, a pro wrestler, it, it's a lot of times it's not desires that drive you there. It's the demons, right? Yes. Um, I couldn't sleep. I, I had several issues from when I was younger and, uh, and even like kind of like right around the time my career started that I was dealing with. Uh, and just, there, there was a lot of shit going on. And, um, uh, I, I was in a very, very toxic relationship that I didn't realize how toxic it was early on. And and you don't when you're in it sometimes, right? You can't see. Yeah, the yeah. You the you really don't see it till till after. And uh, and I do want to point out too. Um, while I have said very bad shit about this person, when I say toxic relationship, I mean both people were toxic. Right. Yes. Um, As often it life. happens. Yeah, I, uh, I I have very I have a very very short fuse at times. Uh, I also react stupidly to a lot of things. But anyway, so um, you know, because a lot of people had like around like the two thousand, we'll say sixteen time frame, I noticed I was getting really thin. Yeah, uh, I was I was fucked up all the time, and then more injuries, more like toxic shit more drugs more everything it just kept getting worse and worse and uh and then it got to the point where i was uh um just one night well i say one night uh it was uh, it's really hard to remember the exact like time frame because like i was super fucked up but it had been planning since january 1st 2018 uh, I spent New Year's Eve night by myself and uh, there we go and uh, depressed and New Year's New Year's Day. I was sitting in a Waffle House and um, I had four bucks and I couldn't even buy anything. And like the the waitress, like 
gave me a pie and she was like, we were going to throw it out anyways, but she was like, you, you look like shit. <laughs> and, uh, and man, just like I ate that pie and I was like, this is probably going to be the best thing that happens to me like for the rest of the day. And it was, yeah. So I started planning at that moment, like I'm just done. And, uh, uh, I had done like a small little tryout thing at WWE. It wasn't like going down to, you know, the performance center or anything. It was right. seeing if I was good enough to go. And, uh, uh, because I was an extra a couple times and I just happened to get a, a tryout match. And they're like, you're good. It's just not right now, you know. And I was like, that's fine, you know. And so I was like, that's not going for me. And just, everything kept getting worse and worse and worse. There was like some allegations being tossed out about me that weren't true. Like I'm, I'm always open about the truth. I know when I fuck up, so I don't need somebody to make up when I fuck up. I get that. That's what um, a lot of people don't understand. It's like, we fuck up enough. We we're introspective enough to see how much we fuck up. We don't need you to point out that kind of stuff. We're more type of guys. We need to point it out when we're doing okay. And we're doing all right. Cause that we're not yeah. too sure of, right? Yeah, that that's that's literally uh, that's literally it. And I was I was I wasn't sleeping, and the drugs weren't doing it. Uh, it didn't seem to matter. Uh, I was going through probably probably anywhere between uh, during that time frame anywhere between five to twenty different women a month, um, and. Uh, Man, there was just one one time frame where uh, my phone had uh, – I, I just set my phone down. Like, I just quit answering my phone, and uh, I sat in my room. I didn't leave, I didn't leave my room uh, uh, outside of going to work, really, and I called in most of the time for probably about two weeks. Yeah. I didn't, didn't talk to anybody. Yeah. Uh, if I did post anything, it was either just like sharing like a show flyer or something, just cause I literally didn't want anyone to come looking for me. Right. Like I, and you know, if Brad Cash isn't putting himself over on Facebook, then something must be wrong. So, yeah. Um, Keep up normal appearances. Yeah. And, uh, during that time frame, I, uh, I, uh, I had a gun in my house or my apartment. And uh, probably about uh, I, I tried to do the pills first, and I went I went to sleep, and I thought that was going to be it, and I woke up. Right. Uh, and I felt like I felt like shit, so I was like, God damn, I'm not even good at fucking killing myself. Um, hashtag dark joke. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so I, I had a gun and. Um, uh, and just several times a day, I'd put it in my mouth and I'd have all, uh, intensive purposes of pulling the trigger. And then I would go to do it and then be like, oh, maybe, maybe I should wait. Maybe I should wait. Um, I called suicide hotline two different times mm-hmm. and, uh, and got talked down. Uh, my neighbor, uh, let me stop you real quick and just say yeah, thank right. you for reaching out for help because as men, it's a lot harder for us because we're taught yeah. just to deal with it, man up, rub some dirt on it. Um, but but you reached out. Um, 
can you say something to those people out there that might need to reach out, but they might be afraid to, or they might, you know, they're, they're ashamed of, of what they have to say or, or, or what, what was that thing that helped push you into actually reaching out? Cause I know that's very, very hard. Um, for me, it was, it was like a last ditch effort. Uh, but honestly, like it, when you're, everybody's story is different. And, um, and with mine, like mine, mine wasn't even like a, like a nobody cares about me thing. My thing was, I, I didn't care about me right. and, uh, yeah. and the people that I wanted to care about me didn't, mm-hmm. there was plenty of people that did. I just, I couldn't realize that. Um, but if you get to like the point where you're just done, mm-hmm. just make every like little last ditch effort. Just try it. whether it's calling a suicide hotline or, you know, or talking to like a random stranger. There was one night, um, I don't know his name cause he was, he was a crackhead, but one of the nights, uh, my neighbor saw me sitting in the living room cause I didn't even have my fucking blinds closed. And, uh, he saw me sitting there with the gun and knocked on the window and I was like, God damn it. Let me go run this crackhead off. Right. And I slept outside and we talked for like a long time. And um, so there was that night and then I was like, all right, well, I'll do it tomorrow then. And a couple more days went by. I, I didn't eat during this time period. I wasn't showering, wasn't taking care of myself. Right. And I had finally decided like that was it. And I'd even gotten a really shitty text message. Um that wasn't meant for me, but it was about me, which is probably why they accidentally hit my name. Right. Um, And uh, it was, it was, I don't even want to go into it. It was, it was rough, but it was essentially like just putting me down. Yeah. And, uh, um, and it was from one of the people that like I wanted to notice me kind of thing or wanted to care. Uh, so I was like, that's it. Like I fucking had it. I'm done. And, uh, I had a 40 caliber pistol. It was a high point. So it's fucking huge. And, uh, I sat there. People that don't know a high point is a, um, how can I describe an affordable handgun? Yes. It's a affordable giant paperweight. Uh, Yeah. Up close. Up close. It does the job. Yeah. Um, but uh, I put it in my mouth and I put it all the way to the back of my throat because uh, my, my literal thought was, is I was like, like, I'm, this is like how just weird and thought I was. I was like, if I put it in the back of my throat, I'll gag and accidentally pull the trigger. Right. It'll help. And then my phone starts buzzing and I'm like, God fucking damn it. Like, you know, people just let me fucking do this. And I look down and I flip it over and it's fucking Nina Monet saying, Hey, I need a ride to a show. Can you help me out? (laughs) And Nina's one of those people I could never say no to. Right. So I was like, yeah, you know, get a, get a bus here or whatever. And I'll, I'll drive you the rest of the way. Cause it was like the next day or some shit. Right. So I was like, okay, we'll do this. 
send that bitch home. Once that bitch leaves, we're coming right back to this spot. We go, we do the show, we come back, we have a long talk. And because uh, I think she, here's the thing with Nina, you know, Nina, yeah. you can never, you can never tell with Nina uh, if Nina's just being scatterbrained or if Nina's like purposely doing something. Right. And my apartment was nasty. Uh, it was obvious I hadn't been taking care of myself. Um, and Nina stayed a couple of days and every day I'm just like, does this bitch just leave so I can wow. do this? And every day there was like, well, we got another show like in a couple of days. Let's just go to it. Or then she would be like, well, hey, well, I need a ride to this show, blah, blah, blah. And every day, because it was always nighttime when I would get the worst. Mm-hmm. And every time around nighttime, she would talk to me. Like, and like, like we would go outside on like my porch area mm-hmm. and, uh, and she would talk to me and I didn't even realize it then at the time I was like, God damn it. She's like one of my best friends, but she's been really fucking annoying and really, really ruining my suicide plans right now. (laughs) And, um, and she just talked to me every day and was the first person in like, I don't know, six, seven months probably that made me feel like, man, maybe I shouldn't do this. Right. And, um, well, real quick, shout out to the, both the crackhead and the Mina Monet. <laughs> yes. Yes. Greatly, uh, greatly appreciated. Yeah. Without, uh, w- without Nina, uh, Cause like I, I eventually told Nina like what I had been planning and uh, after calling me stupid, she was like, I get it though. Right. And then like, and you know, we were a tag team during that time and it was, uh, she was, she was a lot of help and like not everybody had the answer. Like nobody had like a clear answer of how to help me out because right. after Nina, there were several people that went above and beyond to, uh, keep me around we'll say right. uh uh so like, it's hard to know even yeah. as somebody who's gone through things like that personally myself it's hard sometimes because like you said earlier you know everybody's different everybody's needs to what will bring them back to okay things aren't so bad i can still do this it's like it's different for everybody um but right. to me it's just those people just reaching out just making the effort period it is a big yeah. deal right yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like I had a couple of my friends be like, you know, why don't you come stay with us? Like, till you, till you get back good. Um, I had another friend that offered the same thing. You know, I had some that were like, man, you know, let's go out. Let's go out and do shit. You know, right. it may not be the smartest shit, but it's better than what you're doing. So, yeah. you know, I mean, and it, it took a while to kind of get into the groove of things and, I mean, it, it, and it's not even like, like the shit just goes away. Like there's days, no. you know, that it's just like, like it creeps up on you, mm-hmm. but, um, but it doesn't happen as often. Right. And, you know, and you learn just, to understand that it is a temporary thing. And, and it's like, yeah. at, at first, when I, at first I wanted to be a warrior, right? You want to fight it. You're going to yeah. beat it. 
then 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 you are humbled by the fact that that's not going to happen. And you just got to learn to kind of accept it and live with it, which is the hardest thing to do, but also the easiest to deal with those things once you have done. Right. It's all about surrender, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, it's it's rough. And like and I don't know, like there's there's days like I'm I'm just fucking mad at everything. And there's days I'm like super fucking you know, goofy Brad Cash. And then there's there's days I just don't give a shit. Right. And then there's days where I'm just like, where like I'm just in my feelings and everything's so beautiful and all that yeah. shit. It's been a weird time in the universe, period. It seems like so many people out there are suffering loss or hurt or they're, or they're going through their, their own little thing and trying to make it through to the other side. Um, personally, if I had any advice to give is it, just again, to know that those feelings are temporary and there is another side. Um, yeah. These two shall, shall pass is such a cliche mantra, but, but nothing really fits it better to me because it's as true as it fucking gets. This too shall pass. And again, you'll get back to feeling like good Brad Cash and stuff. Like, you, you know, yeah. the coming and, and you know, there's going to be bad in life, but, but you know, it, it, it's just the ebb and flow. It's cyclical. It's not linear. Yeah. It's not like, okay, now I'm happy. I don't have to worry about depression anymore. I don't have to worry about anxiety anymore. It's, Oh, okay. Right. I've dealt with this before. I see it coming back around. I know the pattern. I know the signs. I know myself. I know when I'm yeah. doing the things I need to do to plug into, to be the best I can be, whether it's mentally, physically, spiritually or whatever. And, and me, I get lazy. Sometimes I'll get to a place where I'm doing really good. So I'll get really lazy and doing those things that I know <laughs> I need to do to keep me, keep me at this spot. Cause I'm rewarding well, myself. It's like, y'all gotta do that no more. You feel great. It's, it's weird how our mind tricks us and our ego kind of wants us to draw us back to that, uh, uh, victimhood. Um, is there anything like you try to think of or any mental techniques you use to, to try to kind of push through that? Cause to me, that's the hardest part is just the, um, if it's a, cause man, when you're somebody that has a, uh, uh, like if you're like, if you're like your own pie chart and, yeah. uh, 66.6% of that pie chart is mad or sad. Yeah. First you have to realize which one you are at that right, moment. Right. Are, are you mad or are you sad? Cause there's techniques for both. If I'm mad, like if I'm like that fucking like steaming, you know, I'm, I'm good with everything burning as long as I'm in it type. Uh, with that one, the best thing is just, I, I, I go just be by myself for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. And just, and just think like, think and let it go. Um, process it right I'm kind of, it, yeah yeah if it's if you're genuinely if i'm like genuinely sad or depressed it's the opposite like i need to yeah. i need to be around a couple people or talk or sunshine or, or, or maybe yeah or maybe, maybe even like if i can you know like watch something uh not having to worry about weed anymore uh helps yeah that is a uh, that is a big helper um, you know, but, uh, yeah, on your, there you are. Okay. Yeah. I froze up for a second on my end. I'm back. Here I am. Okay. 
So, I mean, I mean, basically, uh, it was around to the point to where you just realized kind of that life is life. Um, so you accept that. And, and, and at what point did you decide you wanted to come back to wrestling? Um, man, well, one, like, as I was on my way out, uh, as weird as it sounds, I started having fun again. Because mm-hmm. now I was like, mm, I'm just going to do what I want. It doesn't matter. You weren't doing it as a drug. You weren't doing it to just necessarily escape. You were actually taking time to smell the roses, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, so there was all that. And then, like, I um, like I got married and uh, all this other stuff. And, like, I... I can do you like know, a regular she's always going to be in competition with the dude, the Mr. Brad dude before you married her. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. good. <laughs> I just want to make sure that all the cards are on the table. Oh, oh yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm an open book. Um, <laughs> uh, but like I can, I can do, I have no problem getting up and going to work right? or doing like a regular job or anything. Uh, but there's that part of you that is like, like pulsing, like, yeah, you know, like, Hey, you were, you were Brad cash, you know? And then like, you were like, man, maybe, maybe that meant more than what you gave it credit for. Right. And, um, and, um, uh, so I, so I stood on the thought for a little bit. Uh, and then, I got hit up by a guy that was running a show called pro wrestling Georgia. And they were running at landmark arena and they were like, we're going to do the first death match tournament that's ever been at the landmark arena. And, uh, we want you and tank on it and it's going to come down to you and tank. And so he's like, he's hitting like all my buttons, like all the, all the buttons. And then, I was like, okay, I'm going to shoot him this, like, really, I'm going to shoot him this really high price that there's no way they'll agree to. And uh, and then I won't have to worry about it, and I won't have to piss my wife off. Right. So I shoot him this high price, and then they're like, oh, man, we thought you'd be more than that. Yeah. I was like, fuck. Same yeah. thing happened to me re- recently, and it's like, you know, <laughs> you know, I got to talk to you about it, and I was, uh, I was just at this point in time, it's different. You know, I'm at a different point in my life. So, so I, I'm realistic about my worth, but I thought, you know, why not kind of shoot for the stars and, and pretend like I'm 25 and, and do that again. So, so I said it and thinking like you, you know, this is, this is probably some stuff that's not going to come through anyway. They're going to turn me down. I was, I was intrigued by the premise, but it was one of those things I was like, whatever it is, what it is. So, Finally, I decided on a price offer, and I sent it through. And I was like, and also I said, I am intrigued. I said, so, you know, there could be some possible room for negotiation as well. And he's like, no, no, we'll gladly pay you that. That's great. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Isn't that always a weird feeling? Like, you're, like, trying to process it. Like, oh, so I got to do this now. I just got caught on my own fucking bluff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and uh I was like, well, well, how many rounds is it? And they're like three. And I was like, God damn, I got to wrestle three fucking matches. And they're all death matches. Oh, God. 
and it's a week before my wedding, and there's no way my wife's gonna there's agree to this. Going over with a water bottle strike to the head. Um, <laughs> you gotta escalate it slowly. <laughs> so, uh, so they were like, "Who do you want to work? Who do you want to work before you get to take in the finals?" And I picked the two smallest guys on the card. <laughs> I was like, I, "I was like those two, those two over there. That's that's who I want." And. Sir, he and, uh, stand. I don't care. I'm, he's the one I want. Put him in there. <laughs> well, the fun fact, one of them did used to work the concession stand at Landmark. So, well, let me just say, well, um, I know all that's mentioned with your name is death matches. And when it comes to that, you're on a, a small list, definitely, uh, of the greatest guys uh, around. But what people don't understand is I've never had a, a death match with Brad Cash, but I've wrestled Brad Cash. Brad Cash can wrestle. Um, do you think you've been pigeonholed now as a death match thing? And it's sort of one of those things they just don't even realize you can wrestle. So you don't get booked to do that as much because um, you're great at telling yes, a story. No. Like, I love telling a story with you in the ring, brother. It was amazing. Uh, I think used to. I think – like once I once I hit like where I was doing like deathmatch tournaments more often uh, for a while I got pigeonholed into that, um, but uh, like Rick Michaels like refused to even let people say that when I when I was at Anarchy he was like he was like Brad Cash isn't a goddamn deathmatch wrestler he's a goddamn storyteller and I was right. like yeah yeah what he said so. but I'm fixing to hear him bleed a fuck man so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, and people don't understand how much psychology goes but, um, into a death match either. Um, there's still a story to be told, right. and not everybody's good at it. If it was as simple as just hitting each other with things and there was no storytelling, no climax, no build, no psychology, then it would just be pretty boring, yeah. right? Yeah, I could just step outside and do that with my fucking neighbor, you know. Right. <laughs> but, um, um, uh, towards the end of my little comeback, because at first I kind of only wanted to do death matches when I first came back, mm-hmm. uh, just because it's what I was comfortable yeah. with. It's what I missed. Right. Um, but uh, I was on a show. Uh, I don't know if you know Scott Mason out of Georgia, um, but uh, I was on a show. I was on a show that was like mostly <laughs> death matches. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, and Scott Scott was supposed to be on first doing a traditional match like, you know, no throwing your opponent over the top rope, you know, shit like, like that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, his opponent couldn't be there. His opponent got COVID because it was 2020. So COVID. And um, I was like, well, I'm main in a death match. And this is just a regular match and it's first. So let me come out and work the first match. And there was like five people in the back. They're like, "That's fucking dumb." And then Rick Michaels comes storming back. There, you you let him get his ass out there. It wasn't even his show. He was just right. helping them with like the, the cameras. And he was like, "You let him get his ass out there. You're like work everybody on this goddamn card." Because <laughs> for whatever reason, Rick Michaels is a diehard Brad Cash wrestling fan. And, and uh, well, I get that. Like, I, <laughs> look, not what what people don't understand either, and. I'm going to be using a little bit of lingo here, so excuse me. I don't, I don't know how to talk layman sometimes. But I'm I'm a fairly little guy for pro wrestling, and still the amount of complaints I get from my stiffness is ridiculous. 
<laughs> and Brad Cash lets me beat the living shit out of him and doesn't complain at all. Like he's never told me to lighten up one time. He's never pulled me aside after a match and give me a, the Hey Kid speech or any of that. And that's, that's greatly appreciated because for me to look effective, I can't, you, you know, like I've always thought right, it was yeah. that, that some of the bigger guys would complain so much about my stiffness when like, I'm not asking you not to return the favor or, or give a receipt. So what does it matter? Like, right. So um, I, I really I, like, appreciate that, man. That's, that's. Sorry. Uh, like I've, I've always, especially like with, with you and you were, not that you were the first little guy I ever I ever worked, but at a time when I was wrestling like Tank every week or like you know right. fucking Shane Daniels every week, where where I was like the little guy, yeah, uh, and I was I ended up getting an appreciation because I had to hit them extra hard because they were so much bigger than me, yeah. So yeah. for my shit to even look to even look like, so I had to let into them. So with you laying it into me, I was like, I can sell this. This is yeah. this is good, you know. This this isn't you know. Th these so aren't you know, weak shots. You, it's you not like you you know. Yeah, if you sell some bullshit to me, I'm hurting right. you. Yeah. You know, I'm hurting your character. Yeah. And you know, if the fans, nobody's going to question anything if they see you literally just laying it into me. Yeah. You know, I mean. I mean, you know, and, and I think that's why we told a good story. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, and I wish, I wish there was more guys that would lay it in. Uh, and I mean, yeah. and when I say lay it in, like, I don't mean walk up and punch me in the fucking nose. You got to understand we're safe. Anything I do is not going to injure you. You're going to be able to make it to work on Monday. Yeah. You, you, right. you may be sore in the morning. I may be sore in the morning, but it's like, I would tell other guys, do what you want to, as long as I can make it to work on Monday. I don't care. Like it's all good. Right. Exactly. Uh, hell, my uh, my my supervisor <laughs> at my shoot job and me had a match Saturday, nah, and it was a dog collar match. And he's he's a hundred and sixty pounds. I'm I'm three hundred solid. And man, we told a story because. <laughs> That son of a bitch beat the shit out of me. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, the David versus Goliath is a classic. Yeah. Like, I never. Exactly. And and, and we were both at work today. <laughs> you know, we were both at work today. Did you just so. said, did he call in the next day? I was like, that's funny. <laughs> no, no. No, uh, no he, he was there. He was still there telling me what to do today. Uh, <laughs> but uh, now, uh, something, yeah. I'm. Also a big fan of you recently had a match with a member of one of my all time favorite bands rehab. Um, I would have gave anything to be able to see that it broke my heart that I didn't get to, but how does something like that come about and tell people who it is and, and how that came about? Uh, so it was a uh, Jericho uh, from the band rehab. He, he joined the group uh, a couple like later on in their, yeah in their history. There's been several uh, members, but it's always been Danny. Bell. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he, he's like Danny's right hand man. And, uh, um, he, uh, uh, for those that don't know who rehab is, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, they're right. the, she broke my heart at the trailer park song group. Um, yeah. 
And Jericho was a uh, had a rap career before he even signed with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> I, I had a friend that was like, man, have you ever signed at a convention before? I was like, no, like I've never signed at a convention. They're like, do you want to? I was like, yeah, sure. They're like, we're going to put you right next to, uh, right in between, uh, the girl from the original, I spit on your graves. I was automatically like, oh, my favorite. Nice. (laughs) And, uh, and, uh, then, and we're going to set you across from all the walking dead people. And you're going to be next to Jerry Lawler, like in the wrestling section. I was like, cool. I was like, I don't think Jerry Lawler likes me, but cool. (laughs) He doesn't show up. So for the first like day, I'm the only wrestler (laughs) over in that corner. So anybody that's a wrestling fan is just like, who are you? (laughs) I was like, somebody thought I was Necro Butcher. And I was like, yeah, man. Close enough. Yeah. I'm blind. So this signature is going to look like it starts with a B. Yeah, um, but uh, just over from me at another booth uh, was Jericho, and I was like, Jericho, Jericho. I know, I know that name. Uh, and I was like, and the more I thought about it, I was like, that's not him. That's not him. And somebody right. they were doing like interviews, like group interviews with the people there, and somehow me and him got put in the same interview, and they were talking to us, and uh, great. We started talking. He was like, "So you're?" So he was like, "So you're like an indie wrestler?" And he was like, "And you do like death matches and stuff?" And I said, "Yeah." And he was like, "I'm a huge wrestling fan." And we started talking about it, and it turns out he lived like two hours from me. And I was like, "Man," he was like, "He was like, I just want one wrestling match to knock off my bucket list." I was like, "Well, we can do it." He was like, "If we do it, can we make it like a storyline?" And it just so happened right as soon as we were talking, the, the promoter to one of the shows comes walking by and I grabbed him and pulled him over. And I was like, hey, listen to this. And uh, so we were like, yeah. So Jericho showed up on like our next show and started like a like a pull apart deal with me uh, where he was like where he was like sitting in the crowd and then started talking shit. Um we did a couple little things and promos in between. And then I was like, so you want to do like a match? He was like, man, let's do like a street fight. And like, I put him through like a table and all kinds of shit. And like, and it, the weirdest thing was he gave me like arm drags and like hip tosses and shit in it that like, wow. I was, I told him, I was like, just do this and I'll do the rest. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but man, he was easy. He was easier to work with than some of the workers we've, we've been in the ring with. Such, um, yeah. We call those guys sandbags. Like they're really hard to work <laughs> with. And there's some yeah. guys that just, no matter what the flow is, they seem to go to the opposite of it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was very smooth for somebody that never had a wrestling match in his life. And, uh, how surreal was it backstage getting ready to come out? Like you're not, getting ready to beat up somebody who's normally used to get beat up. Here's this guy from a band, Chris Jericho, you're about yeah. to get beat up. Like what's going through your mind? Uh, he, uh, well, like what was weird is there's always, you know, like chatter in the locker room and stuff, except mm-hmm. this time there was nothing. Quiet. It was just quiet. And he goes out and he had a ton of, he was the heel. Like he had a ton of heat. That's nice. Uh, and yeah, he didn't want it. He didn't want to be a face. He he wanted to be a heel. And uh, and Jericho doesn't cuss like uh, like 
and normal yeah. conversation. He doesn't cuss. And this was a mature show. So they're all like, you know, saying like, fuck you, fuck you. And he's like, kiss my butt. And he's like, I'm going to kick Brad's butt all over the place. And that was getting him more heat. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, it got really quiet. And then when my music started, the locker room is literally standing behind me, like just wanting to watch through the curtain Absolutely. as the match goes on. And uh, it was so crazy because like I came out and it wasn't, it wasn't a huge crowd. Uh, it was a decent size. I mean, you know, COVID times and, uh, <laughs> um, but they were, they were good. There's probably, we'll say a hundred, but, I, I know that's like a everybody says a hundred, but we'll we'll say a hundred. Uh, we call a good start more, crowd. That's yeah. when you know you got more than just uh, girlfriends and uh, 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 baby mamas and stuff there. Yes, yes. the uh, The trailer park that rehab broke the heart in was like next door, so like yeah. all of them. <laughs> and uh, but they were so fucking hyped that I got hyped, and he got a little scared. Because he was oh, like, man. man, he was like, I thought you were going to slit my throat. Because he's like, you're just like bouncing. He was like, you didn't look like Brad Cash. He was like, you took on this form of like, like Bruce Lee for a minute. Yeah. Oh, so that's, that's exactly it, though. See, that's you just watched me become Brad Cash. Yes. You, yeah. You was, saw Bradley, Stephen Kirkland go bye bye. And you saw Brad Cash <laughs> come along. And that, yes. game, I know how that. Especially to see it because usually a lot of times it'll happen right behind the curtain, but sometimes it doesn't happen until you get out there. And for somebody to see that in somebody's eyes who hasn't seen that switch get yes. flipped like that, yes. I can imagine exactly. it's very intimidating. And uh, man, and the crowd <laughs> was was uh, chanting like "fuck him up, Brad," and like <laughs> and "fuck him up," and they were all like pointing at him in unison, and and it, it was it was a crazy feeling. Uh, yeah, it was oh, it was so good. It actually led to my heel turn there too. So that was that was even better. Oh, uh, and uh, and we're we're he wants to do another one. So I told him I'm always down to do there. one. Live here, yeah. you heard it. <laughs> uh, and uh, also, like he just came out with a new album or and uh, some songs. So there you go. Go listen to Jericho. And you're you're welcome, Jericho, if you're watching this right. for the plug. Um, just be sure to tag him. Yeah, just be sure to tag him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hashtag Jericho. Hashtag rehab. Hashtag Jericho versus Brad one more time. Um, that's a lot of words for hashtag. Um, it is. That's a lot of hashtag. But uh, yeah, so much hashtagging. It's like it's 2000. 10 all over again. <laughs> uh, hashtag everything. Um, but, um, but yeah, like, and, and uh, between that and then going back to like the match I did with Scott Mason, where there was, we, I, I didn't throw one strike except for a couple chops. Yeah. The whole match. And, you know, did a lot of like Matt wrestling in it and stuff like that. And then like, I get frustrated and I throw him over the top rope, you know, so I get thrown out, you know, and, um, and then come out later and do a death match later in the night. Uh, and you know, everybody was like, man, what the fuck? He, you know, he's out here throwing arm drags in one match. And then literally the same night he's 
out here getting hit with light tubes. I've often uh, wondered why with you, they haven't done the best of both worlds kind of thing and done a, um, um, basically a, a, a rip of uh, Steve Carino's um, kind of stick. The, uh, you know, look, Brad Cash, I know you're the death, you're the, you know, the death match guy, but, but I'm a fucking yeah. wrestler. I don't do that stupid shit. That ends up, you have to do that stupid shit that I get you in my world right. and you look good. And then you, you get me in yours and like, to me, that's even as a fan, that like gives me goosebumps and excitement. Even if I'm not a part of it, like that's one of my favorite storylines to run. What has been your favorite all-time storyline to run? Oh God! Uh, a lot of people talk about favorite matches, favorite opponents, but to to, to me, it's all about the, the story. Whether the the story is contained within the match itself, or over a period of weeks, or or whatever, I, my connection to wrestling has always been through the stories. So, so what, right. what do you think maybe was probably your favorite one to do or be a part of or um man that's that's hard that's a god damn that's man it, it was easier to talk about my suicide than it is journalistic um i man i i always like the storylines where it's like a baby face that's like going through like a rough time where it's not just like oh, he's getting beat up or whatever, but like he's, if a baby face can pull off like a mental struggle, mm -hmm. uh, like one of my favorites was a uh, James storm and Bobby Roode back in Bobby Roode's like last little TNA run. And uh, like they did like a cage match and, you know, there's former tag partners. Like it was, right. it was all yeah. real, real emotional. And James Storm has him beat and goes to give him one more super kick. But when he does, he super kicks him out of the door uh, and like to the floor. Yeah. And then after that, like James Storm comes out to cut a promo the next week and he goes to talk and he just like sets the microphone down and like walks off and then like comes back from that. Like, how do you come back from Right. Being beaten, you know, like beating yourself, and yeah. then like so that uh, they were one of the greatest much. tag teams there too for a long yeah. time. You know that part of the story. It, like, uh, yeah, that is great. It's, it's uh, to 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 quote my wife. I uh, I love a good fox and the hound story. Yeah, like two, two best friends that have to become enemies. That that's all. That's probably always going to be my favorite. Uh, yeah. Um. You know, uh, uh, she she cries every time she hears the word "fox and the hound." Uh, so um, she not that she can hear me, but she'll watch this later to shit on me. So, um, but uh, <laughs> right, shout out to Sarah. How you doing? But I always like that. Uh, I I even like it if you take it in like a comedic role, like uh, WWE did with MVP, where he went on such a losing streak that he couldn't afford his own gear anymore. So yeah. like, you know, love, <laughs> there, a lot of people don't like, like it, but I, I love comedy and wrestling because to me, wrestling is the theater of life. So to me, it needs to c contain all the aspects that you would experience in, in regular life because it to me, it's a lot more Shakespearean than people give it credit for. Uh, yeah, at its heart. Um, because yeah. uh, again, it, it's it's characters, it's personalities, it's stories that you fall in love with uh, more than anything else. Because it's 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 moves. You know, yeah. everybody does body slam. Everybody does a clothesline. 
at the end of the day. But when you put them together as as letters that form words, that form sentences, that form paragraphs, that form these beautiful stories. Right. What is um, your favorite thing about wrestling? Uh, as a fan as a, and as a participant. So, um, uh, man, it actually goes to a speech I gave in a locker room Saturday night because that's how low uh, wrestling's dropped to where they're like, Brad, go give this locker room speech. I was like, God damn it. Uh, Okay, but uh, I told them, uh, I was like, look guys, there's guys giving you gimmicks, there's guys giving you stories and whatever. These fans, if you can connect with them, I don't give a fuck what move you do. Uh, I told her, I told everybody, I said, work your gimmicks, like be your character, be, give them something to care, give them something to get invested in, even if it's them, you know, telling you you're a piece of shit. Right. Yeah. Um, I said, I, I said, I don't give a fuck what move you can do. There's not a goddamn person in this room that can do a move I haven't seen before. Right. I was like, and if you can, if you can, then do it right now. <laughs> like, yeah. Do it in this room because I guarantee you. Well, I haven't done it. it before, but I would like to try it in this match, Brad. <laughs> I heard two of those while I was in there. Uh, but I was like, wrestlers' experience as well. Have you ever had somebody? pull the, you know, one of the younger guys that's just excited and you ask what he wants to do. So he's excited that Brad Cash asked him what he wants to do. So he feels like he's got to say something really, you know, over the top and he does. And you're like, okay, so we're going to start out with a headlock. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I haven't had that as much. There's been times that guys have like suggested a move and I was like, I was honest with them. I was like, man, there's no way I can make, I can make that move look good. Right. Um, yeah like if if you're a hundred pounds unless you can just shoot pick me up there's there's no way i can make your gorilla press look good and that's important too like you said that's important you know we talk about psychology a lot and and that's a part of psychology is just doing things that that make sense i get his pro wrestling and and there's lines and, and different people have different lines where they draw them as far as certain things in professional wrestling um, right uh, 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 is there a certain, are you a, cause now like everything, music is broke down into genres, you know, even metal is hardcore and, and, and black and death metal. And so everything is genres. Wrestling's kind of went the same way. Is there a certain niche or genre you kind of lean towards more enjoying watching or participating in? Or is there, yeah. is it, are you just overall wrestling fan? You know uh, I mean? man. Uh, this is going to sound really like cliche because I feel like everybody says this and doesn't actually mean it, but you can look at my DVD rack in there and tell that I mean it. Um, I like old, older wrestling. Yes. Like, uh, like I like, uh, man, I just had a brain fart. I was fixing the name off names and I was like, oh, <laughs> uh, um, uh, Vern Gagne, like I can watch Vern Gagne do a older squash match where it just looks like a, a wrestling match. Wrestling match and, yeah. Uh, I like old mid South matches. Like I base a lot of my hill shit off like Butch Reed. That's why you're so good uh, at storytelling then because. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's what it is. It's, it's, it's storytelling and like every, every match is a story is a story. They're, they're yes. characters. You know, um, excuse At the end of the me. Day, um, regardless of of your moves or the style match you present, it has to be able to be where a point to where we can suspend our disbelief. 
Yeah, uh, man. So one of my favorite matches I did last year uh, was me and this guy that that's really blown up uh, this past year, uh, especially in death matches, but also as a wrestler. Like he's he's everywhere right now, and uh, his name's Mo Atlas, and he goes by Hoodfoot. Um, he's a big black dude, really cool guy. Uh, we did a match, and it wasn't a death match. It was just kind of like a anything kind of goes match, you know, and, uh, it was super hot that day. And, you know, I wear like the, the big, like the, like the club pants and stuff like that. And I was like, man, I'm not wearing these. It's too hot. And I had this bag of socks and I was joking around and I made a TV dick out of it. And it was, it was way too big. And I stuffed it in my singlet and you could see it. And he goes, dude, we should use that. And I go, I go, my, my TV dick? And he goes, yes. <laughs> so, so we do this Are whole match. Is it the weapon? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we do this whole match uh, <laughs> where it is this huge mix of me being the asshole heel, him being this baby face, strong style like strikes, uh-huh. comedy a little hardcore not much like we we did like some chair stuff oh, and uh uh like i said strong strikes and then like good like wrestling too uh-huh. and so you got all this all this stuff like uh like the comedy <laughs> was like uh i gave him a back rake and he was like he turned around he goes you call that a fucking back rake and i go you want to show me how it's done give me one and uh <laughs> So we did like a back rake trade off, but every back rake we sold each one. But see, that's so simple, but yet so original and creative because you've never seen anything like that. I've never seen a back rake off, dude. And and we would we made the back rakes more intense. Like it went from just back rakes to like hitting the ropes and doing back rakes to (laughs) he finally like like he he dove and gave me a back rake, and then like I was on the outside selling and i had my hand against the corner post and he gives me a back rake and i sell it and run into the corner post because you know he just fucking back rake me so then i just turn around i'm laying on the ground i'm like god damn it like ah and uh so we go through all that and this whole time i have this huge tv dick in my tights and we're striking, we're striking, we're striking. And I go to kick him and he catches my leg and he goes, stop fucking lying. Once again, this is a mature show. So, and, right, uh, right. and I'm like, what am I lying about? I ain't lied about shit. I'm an honest person. Everybody's like, bullshit, you know, cause I'm a heel. Right, and then right. he was like, he's like, what is that? And he points at my TV <laughs> dick and I go, oh man, that's all me. And he goes, you're a goddamn liar. And he reaches in (laughs) my singlet and I'm screaming. And there's like this long pause where he's screaming. And we both look at the ref and look back at each other and then look at the crowd and look at each other. And then he pulls this giant, like it is six pairs of socks rolled into (laughs) one. And and, and I was like, and I was like, and I just yelled, you pulled my dick out. (laughs) 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 and he shoves it in my mouth gives me a a a backdrop driver i keep it in my mouth and then he clotheslines me in the back and i spit it out (laughs) 
Right. And uh, it was this, I don't know, that was, that was my favorite match I had. We did the whole thing based on a TV dick, so. That's and that's great. And the people uh, you that, probably that, figured it out. I, I don't want to accuse my my uh, audience of being dumb or anything, but the TV dick is, is something that was placed in the tights when you were going to be on TV to make it appear as though your penis was larger than it was. So there you go. Today's Urban Dictionary <laughs> definition of TV dick. You're welcome. <laughs> um, when it, do you think like creativity in wrestling is so important? I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. Anything you think of that you thought of was probably done in like 1952 by Antonio Rocco and you don't even know it. Like you just don't realize that you haven't seen that tape. Right. Creativity is very important. Um, where do you think we are? Do you think that's why the moves are the way they are? Do you think they've lost the creativity and storytelling? So they had to switch over to possibly fancier moves or try to kind of dangle in front of you, like to get your attention or where do you think I, things change? Did August so. change or, did we change? I think I think we changed, uh, but I also think like it it was coming along, and then like these other shows, um, you know, like Ring of Honor and all this, this stuff. Like you know, 20, 20 years ago at this point, uh, yeah, yeah, started started oh, doing like all these really cool moves, and everybody's like, whoa, you know, like look at all these cool moves. Time, like, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can go back and watch like early 2000s Samoa Joe and still mark out over all the yeah. moves. Um, and, and like, you know, like Jimmy rave, you know, and all these guys. And, um, and it was, and it was so cool and it was so new and so fresh. And then, you know, and because of like that, you know, like now, instead of seeing guys like Jeff Hardy and AJ styles and like mid card positions, they're getting heavyweight title shots and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it changed. And then I think just like anything else, like it just becomes the idea of what you have to do. Right. Um, and you mimic, there, right? as you come up as a fan yeah. and then transition into becoming a pro wrestler, you mimic what, what the guys you saw growing up did. Right. Yeah. And like right now, like I think death matches, um, death matches are hot right now, but it's, it's getting to where a lot of them are starting to look the exact same. Right. Uh, I mean, at, and I'm not even shitting on them. Like they're all getting over. It's just, I feel like because it's still <laughs> exciting and new, like those moves were. But at yeah. some point in time, you have to be more creative with what what you have, right? Yeah, and I think I think to to be a successful promotion, or or maybe it's just me, like saying my preference. I like everything. I want an old school match on the card. I, then I want. I want stories and while I got the stories to sell the tickets, I'll put on this exciting match over here so they can be in awe of all these guys moving and then give them violence over here. But these stories are always going to be like my main thing. Right. Because even with all these moves, you still want to see the end of a story. Right. Like nobody, nobody reads a book. What do you mean wrestling tells a story? I said, it's simple. It has a beginning, a middle and an end. People want to overcomplicate it a little bit. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, nobody reads a book to be like, well, I only want to read the first three chapters. And then after that, just I'm going to throw the book out. Um, Jump in and read chapter five and six and that's it. Yeah. You know, nobody, nobody. (laughs) While, while the two towers is like one of my favorite movies. Nobody just watches the two towers without watching the fellowship and return of the king and 
all that shit. No, nobody automatically goes to Blade Two, right? You know, <laughs> um, you know, and all that shit. Uh, so it's stories like the all these other things. Like you use the stories to sell the tickets, and you use these other things to entertain the people while they're there. Right, and I, it's, it's I, almost like a circus or, or, or a variety yeah. show or a, a you know a, a vaudeville type thing. Where, and I agree with you. I believe to be a complete show, you need to have each of a little bit of those elements. I think you're shortchanging yourself when you niche it, or you're like, okay, my program's just going to be this style, or just going to yeah. be that style. Like you're cheating yourself of other fans that could come that want to see that third match or that fifth match. And leading to what you were talking about, booking. Booking an overall show with psychology is almost even more unheard of than having psychology in a match nowadays. Why do you think the art of booking has been lost? Because just like there's reasons to put certain moves in certain areas, there's reasons to put this match second or this match the main event. I personally am sick of seeing a heavyweight title match open a show, as an example. Yeah. Yeah, if um, do we get lazy? Title, what, what happened? Uh, I think it's a a lot of uh, ooh, excuse me, buddy buddy shit. Um, uh, honestly, uh, politicking. I mean, it's shit that's always going to be there. It's shit that's always been there, but it, it's what it is. Uh, I mean, sometimes you know, sometimes the heavyweight title match isn't the main event. Sometimes right. you know, you have a story that that takes precedent but um but you know for the most part like even with everything wrestling is still supposed to be a competition right and your main reason yeah your main uh your main title should always be what everybody's going after you know even if these two guys are having a story you know where oh man that one's girl left him for this guy now it's you know the big thing or or you know or fight for the company at the end of the day, you know, this is still what everybody's going after. When they're done with that story, this is their focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that gets that gets lost a lot because of the um, the whole like where everybody started telling everybody like, "Don't be a mark," you know, belts or props, blah 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 blah. While they are, it still means something if a promotion is like. If they put a belt I respect on you, you enough to put you, yeah. They yeah, put faith and, on you. You're walking with it on your shoulders now. That's why when you're first in, your, your first goal is to get a belt because the, the coolness factor. We're, we were all belt marks. I'm not afraid to admit yeah. that. I still am to this day. I love belts. But when you get older, you, you understand the responsibility a lot more, and you're like, oh, okay. So the, the number of asses in the seats – is kind of directly related to me now. So <laughs> yeah. now it's not just me out there. It's the whole company on my shoulders. And if it fails, then I'm a failure. Like people don't yeah. understand the kind of pressure that comes with it. It's a real thing. It's a prop. Yes. But as any other champion, you're still number one in the company. Yeah. And, uh, and man, and sometimes it sucks. Cause like scheduling may be an issue, like, you know, whatever. Um, I, uh, I, like last year at one point I had like three belts and, uh, and while I was, I was flattered, I was like, fuck, they all run on Saturdays. Right. <laughs> so, and some of them run on the same days. So I was having to be like, okay, I can be here for you this day this and you time. this day. And, and for you, this one is like your mid card belt. 
So like, and this one's like their heavyweight belt. So like, it's not even like I'm picking favorites. It's storylines here. Like, you know, I'm trying trying to balance this out. And, uh, and it was just like, or or then there was one day where I brought the wrong belt to the wrong show. So, yeah. Yeah. You, you so ever been just, a kid? You ever had a show and like that? They're you know this these guys were the tag team champs for a reason. They didn't have a belt, or you know they forgot it. You don't know. You don't think as a kid that they have to travel with it and carry with it. But you're just so disappointed. You're like, wait, you're the champ. You don't have the belt. Like how how crazy? Yeah. But then, you, then you have to keep up with the damn things. Especially like you said, you have more than one. You start to understand. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is how this can happen. <laughs> Out of all yeah. the belts, aesthetically, what has been from all of history and all of time? What is your favorite belt? Man, I I really like like the um uh like the old uh like WWF belt that they had like like pre like John Cena spinner belt like because uh, it looked like a traditional belt but it was it was just real nice real smooth the plates. Yeah. Um, the plates were all really cool. Uh, oh, man, I actually had an answer for this. Was it like, the universal one you're ago. talking about? The first universal one where they first combined it and the first one that Jericho won or? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I was always partial to the, the white intercontinental, uh, just cause it was white. Yeah, like it was, it was cool. Uh, just the the color because you didn't see white belts. Um, Randy, man, when Rhodes brought it back, that was pretty pretty epic. I thought. Yeah. Um. Man, I'm trying to think. Rhodes, I, I feel Rhodes like there's Rhodes one I'm not thinking of. The title from the old NWA pop, the red and yeah. the, or the red and the silver. Something about that just always. That was a good secondary belt because it was different enough to where you psychologically realize this isn't the most important belt. But it was eye popping enough to let you understand it was important too, instead right. of you know, almost looking just like the title or just being, you know. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I also like the old the old NWA belt. Um, I don't know, just it was classy. Yeah, I thought like it looked like something like you'd see in like a old belt, right? Yeah, yeah, like like an old boxing belt. You know, it was it yeah. was good. She had mentioned the old United States belt, the one that like Magnum TA and the red white, the red white one. Yeah, yes. that was, yeah, yeah. That was yes. Um, man, I'm trying to think. Uh, as far as like gimmicky belts, I was always prone to like the like the smoking skull belt that Stone Cold had, just because it had like the rattlesnake uh, skin and the skull on it. I always thought that was cool. Like, I love when they um, customize them for sure. Yeah. Uh, Man, I actually uh, not not so much the WWE spinner belt, but when John Cena did the U.S. Championship spinner belt, I actually liked that one better. Uh, I don't know why it, it was more plain, but it I don't know. I just always thought that one was cool, and Something it just got me. Idea. Yeah. <laughs> um. But uh. But well, yeah. What, what all stuff does Brad Cash have coming up? I mean, do we have uh, shows? What What do they need to be looking out for when it? comes to Brad Cash. Um, where can they find you and where can they find your merch? Oh my God. Uh, as far as merch right now, uh, I got like some t-shirts and stuff left for the most part. I'm just selling them at the shows right now. Uh, 
Um, Definitely go see you live because that's your opportunity to get merch as well. Yeah, like we we were we were doing like ship outs and stuff like that. Um, but my stock of merch has just been super low, and I haven't got to re up yet. Uh, uh, my wife is like a merch magician. She has like shot glasses and cigarette lighters and t shirts and right. everything. And I'm over here with like these like eight shirts left. Like ah, come buy one of them. <laughs> Um, the boxers I work up a month ago. Anybody want to buy them? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a uh, January was kind of a slow month because um, the bookings I had got got canceled early on. Um, so I got uh, total psychopathic wrestling in uh, Knoxville and Maryville and Rocky Top, Tennessee. They all kind of they move around uh, when it's warmer. Like they're, they're at like this bar in Knoxville cause they're outside. Um, and I have several dates for them. Uh, February 19th, uh, March 5th, we're doing a tribute to new Jack. Uh, we're raising money for his wife. Nice. Um, yeah. Um, cause like he, you know, me and him were really close. Um, and he helped me out a lot and I'm, you know, like I got permission from her to run it and everything, and she'll actually be there. And she's bringing some of like his his gear for us to put up as like a memorandum thing. Um, so that, that's a big deal. It's also the return of Necro Butcher that night. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. What's yeah. The date on that? Did you say the date? I don't, I don't know if I. Uh, March March fifth. March fifth in uh, Rocky Top, Tennessee. It used to be called Lake City. Uh, I'm double shotting February 19th. I have a show before that one. Uh, you know, doing the Drew game over here. Uh, yeah. Do all the shows in one day. Uh, I got a show in Morristown, Tennessee called a uh, ICWA. Yeah. Um, I have a uh, July 9th. There's a big, uh, TPW show, uh, where this is where I, I get to announce it. I get to knock somebody off my bucket list. Uh, nice. Female uh, deathmatch legend, uh, Randy West, uh, and me are going to have a match for the first time ever. We've been friends for a few years, and we finally get to knock oh, that one yeah. down. Uh, so, uh, so there's that one. Um, I will be in uh, Anna, Illinois, I think it's not far from Chicago. Uh, mm-hmm. Towards the end of February, me and uh, Deathmatch Legend Insane Lane uh, are tagging as the OMG because uh, <laughs> we we started a we started a clique called the One Man Gang, <laughs> and then people were like, "Man, we want to book you guys, but we can't <laughs> use that name." <laughs> so we're like, "Okay," uh, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, so we're uh, we're wrestling Roscoe Lisa in uh, Illinois, and then uh, March 18th, I'm in the Murder City Deathmatch Tournament in Detroit. Um, so it's the it's the first Deathmatch Tournament in Detroit, and uh, nice. uh, I've never been to Detroit, so I'm, it's like a I'm big great town to have one of those top things, sort of like a Philadelphia ECW kind of situation. Yeah, yeah, Boston yeah. Yeah, uh, somebody told me they were like, they're like, we would tell you, like, show up to the venue where all the blood is, but make sure it's the right one. I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. It's Detroit, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm like, oh, damn, this looks like a house. <laughs> <The eight> um, <laughs> but uh, 
but like I got that. Uh, have a few other things in the works uh, later in the later in the year. Hopefully, me and you see each other at a similar show soon. That would be nice. Yes, that yeah. always happens. Um, I'll uh, I'll be careful, more careful pulling guard this time. <laughs> so this is the, the worst uh, target ever. Locker room <laughs> story. I see Brad Cash, and I just lose my shit because I haven't seen him in a while. So I'm really excited. So I literally go to run and jump in his arms to hug him. And loss of balance, and maybe me just pulling a little too hard, a combination of both, just pull him straight down into the guard. Like, it's like, well, this got a lot more intimate than I expected, a lot more fast. Like, that escalated quickly. <laughs> now you know just exactly how excited I was to see you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I wasn't about to tap out, but. Yeah, no, I mean, right. <laughs> it got a little scared a there for a minute, but you braved it through, man. I'm proud of you. <laughs> well, brother, let me tell you. Um, I tell this to everybody that comes on the show, but but I mean it. First of all, uh, thanks for sharing the the hardest parts of your life with us. Because I hope somebody watches this and realizes here's two guys who have sat here and gone through some things and pushed through the other side, and it can be done. Um, so thank you for sharing your time because time is a gift that you can't ever get back. And I'll, I appreciate you uh, giving us this time so that uh, people can watch and, and, and share in, in, in your story. I appreciate you, man. Uh, thank you so much. Shout out to my sponsors, um, to, uh, uh, God, I didn't forgot who they are. Um, yeah, Sean Thompson's personal training and, and not bad, uh, for all your wait, sexual needs. What may, maybe I got sex on the brain. I think they make other stuff too, but, but Man, you're talking to me. That's, that's what happens. Yeah. That's, I talked to Brad Cash and this is what happens. Uh, uh, so yeah, thanks everybody for watching and we'll see you next time. Brad, hang out here and, um, We'll get off here and I'll talk to you a little bit before we go, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, buddy. Thank See you. Ya. See you. Love you, ma'am. Bye. Love you too. Oh, wait. Hang on. So there's a couple um, questions right before we go. I didn't know some earlier, so let me just two of them. Where's the other one? I think this is the only actual question, right? It was, he wants you to ask him about that one and then ask him about this one. It's me, Taz, at Brad about Money Pit Wrestling video. <laughs> what about the Money Pit Wrestling video, sir? And then I have one. Oh, my God. Uh, so me and Taz, uh, we were on this uh, this idea Scott Hensley had. And uh, and it wasn't a bad idea. It was really fun. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was just odd. Uh, it was just like a show that was like a spoof of wrestling. And he had me and Taz, and I was supposed to be like this. Uh, I wore a hood, and I was supposed to be like this, like sixty-year-old, like hardcore vet. And Taz was my Taz, who was not Hispanic, was my Hispanic manager named Manny Jur. And we we had to do a promo about all of our exploits that we had in like the 50 years I had been wrestling and like I ramble and we talk about like getting stabbed in Puerto Rico and like beating away people in Africa when they stormed the ring and <laughs> fighting chickens and how I got booked against like a chicken one night or some <laughs> shit. And, and like, and then I had, had to face bears, but no, 
And then, like, I had to wrestle. Like, uh, <laughs> I, had to, I had to wrestle uh, uh, Cousin Cletus, who was uh, his whole thing was he was like doing this Mr. USA thing. Yeah. And uh, he was coming out going, you. SA, but there was a pause between the U and the S and the SA. SA. And, and, and I just started pointing at Taz, <laughs> like, like SA, SA. <laughs> and uh, we had a fucking chainsaw in the match. It was really weird. <laughs> it, was, it was odd. So the second question, same person was ask Brad about the scaffold match with Shaggy. Great guys have worked both of them, um, so I'm definitely excited about hearing hearing this. So, uh, so I love Woody. I love Woody to death. I do not think Woody loved me on this night. <laughs> um, so we were we were talking uh, about a match, and uh, at the and I was at home, and he was like, he was like, look, kid, I got this match idea, and I'm gonna, uh, I want. And it's going to be like a scaffold match with like rat traps. I ain't never seen rat traps in it. And for some reason, I'm missing like the scaffold part. Right. And I'm like, oh, there are rat traps. That won't be bad. And like, I was, I was doing the prison gimmicks. I was like, I got a fucking jumpsuit on. Right. I was like, and it's against Shaggy. So, like, surely he's going under, anyways. And, uh, and I, then he was like, it'll be a scaffold. It won't be that high. <laughs> and I was like, all right. I was like, I don't know, man. Like, cause I'm, I'm, I'm a little afraid of heights is what I told him. Yeah. I'll give you 20 more dollars. Like, All right. Done deal. So, done deal. Uh, so there you go. Everybody. If you ever want your chance with Brad cash, just throw an extra 20 on there and you got, it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so we get there and it is a gimmicky night, uh, man. And it was so awesome. Cause they had like, um, they had like a tag team blindfold match uh, with the movement and torque and uh, Ray Ray and the referee was blind. Like they had like a loser eats dog food match, a log chain match, uh, Jimmy Rave and Cahagas and like a two out of three match. So they have all these super fun and really good matches. I have to follow. Nice. I walk out there and over the ring, the scaffold wasn't that high, but from the floor, the oh. scaffold looked high as fuck. Right. And I am not high at the moment, nor drunk, because it's a yeah. Woody show. Woody didn't allow that stuff. Right. And I am, when I said I was a little scared of heights, I lied. I'm terrified of heights. Yes. I am. So we were supposed to go like a few minutes of me refusing to go up and then going up and doing the match on the scaffold. It, it takes 20 minutes. That, for he refused to, to go up. Looks so up. real. <laughs> That's what Jimmy Rave said when I got to the back. You look <laughs> so like you really didn't go up there, bro. I I got like 20 minutes without ever even making it halfway up the scaffold, and finally Shaggy gets under me and pushes me up till I get on the scaffold, and I get up there. And uh, there's not much space. Like there's no, there were no walk boards. It was just like the base scaffold. Right. Oh, God. <laughs> so, um, I crawl, I crawl out to the middle and Shaggy is a spider monkey. So he's swinging left to right and jumping up and doing jumping jacks and sprinting and yeah, all this shit. Yeah. And, uh, and I go to throw Shaggy off, and he like catches the bottom and does monkey bars across it and all this shit. 
I am refusing to go even more than halfway out, and I'm <laughs> still holding on for dear life on my hands and knees. Uh, uh, oh my god, I just had a complete brain fart. Not uh, not Woody, but the the other guy that was in charge of like like G, uh, GPW and uh, oh, um, uh, uh, was it Daryl? Yeah, Daryl. Yeah. I can't believe I forgot. Daryl, I look down. Daryl's mad as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this is bullshit. <laughs> and, and I I hang down as low as I can with my feet. My feet, like, looking back are like a foot over the ring. Yeah. <laughs> and I drop down onto these mouse traps. And I'm like, I'm at least going to try to sell this big, this foot drop to the bottom. And uh, <laughs> as I'm rolling, one of the mouse traps gets my balls. Oh, no. <laughs> so not only was I scared of heights and had to go up and deal with the heights, but the thing that I did say I was okay with backfired and snapped me right, right in my dick. <laughs> and, Literally. <laughs> and, um, and I and uh, I get back up, and Jimmy Rave was like, "Man, your facials are so good." And I go, "Really?" And he was like, "Yeah, man, you looked. You made the crowd believe you were terrified to go up that scaffold." I go, "I really was." And he goes, "Oh, well, that sucks." Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> I was so happy there for a minute. <laughs> man, that's great. <laughs> So many things like that happen in wrestling and in life. And uh, remember that next time you're having a bad time out there, a little bit anxiety or depression. And 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 I get it. You hear all kinds of things when you're in those situations of how you need to do better. But when I mention something, it's simply something that maybe worked for me at one time, and it may or may not work for you. But when you think about the good things in life that are there, they're usually a lot more than you give them credit for because we have a tendency to focus on that negative. So if it's one final thought I have before we go is focus on the positive as much as you can, accept the negative when it comes, push through, put your head down, walk into the wind, walk uphill, do what you got to do. Man, Brad, thanks again for being with us. I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, thanks for the great stories. Thanks for asking those questions, Taz. Uh, speaking of not bad creations and sex toys, sorry I've related your product to only that now, but um, they do make anything paracord. So anything paracord you need, they can make for you. Uh, thanks, everybody else. And uh, we're out of here. Bye-bye, guys. Peace. <laughs>